Uh, hey, this is CJ from Jeb Bush for President.com. And who the heck is this Dollar Hyde guy? Dollar Moore. Sorry, did I say Dollar Hyde? The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. everybody, welcome to the show and thank you for joining us for this 514th episode of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, and today I am joined by the lovely, the talented, the scholarly, Brittany Page. Right here. There you are. As always. <laughs> well, we got a big show. Mm-hmm. I'd, I would love to know... Okay. I'd love to have the ability to go back. Like I wish we had transcribed episodes where I could like search terms. Oh yeah. But I'd love to know, love to go back and see how many times I've said something to the effect of Can the news slow down a little bit? Mhm. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. it is nonstop. Sometimes I think it's nonstop at the behest of Donald Trump like he's trying to create distractions. Yeah. And a lot of the stuff we're going to talk about, some of the stuff we're not even going to get to, like McGahn not showing up today and the fact that the Republican Party last month paid his law firm $2 million. Anyway, I'm, there's going to be a video about it on Wednesday, so you could substitute us talking about it and listen to the, the details there. But there's just so much going on. Absolutely. I do want to take a moment to um, complain, though, because... <laughs> I get, it wouldn't be an episode of the show if one of us didn't complain. Well, I get these news alerts all day, you know, from my iPhone. And it's like from the Apple News or whatever, you know, it's the red yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah. And they send me news alerts all day long. Like, it's just constant. Several from Washington Post, several from New York Times. But my favorite ones, and this is really unfortunate, but my favorite ones are Uh-oh. from the Daily Mail. <laughs> It is always (laughs) trash that I do not need to hear about or know about whatsoever. I mean, the ins and outs of Johnny Depp and Amber Heard's marriage and like they just they have the most horrifying emails like breaking the moment this mother breaks down because her ex-husband murdered their five children. Really? Yeah. I mean, it's like intense, depressing Things that I just don't wow. need to be bombarded with throughout the day. They're baiting you. They're baiting you to to click. Oh, absolutely. And I totally most of the time I'm like I'm going to check this out. You know, <laughs> I want to get to the bottom of this. Unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, their clickbait works. Yeah, I, I, there is some sort of impulse that I have where I feel a desire to see what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're just concerned about the world around you, Brittany Page. Yeah, yeah. And then they give like special monikers for 
like the most popular serial killers that are out there what? or like the most popular murderers, you know, like they had the the guy who killed his family in Colorado. Yeah, the, he put the children, their bodies well, in an oil drum or whatever. We don't have to go into the well, details. I'll just say that's the case what you're you talking a, about. What are a living Daily Mail article right now? Wow. Um, yeah, so they called him Killer killer dad that's what they kept calling him they could be more creative they could be more creative but it was like killer dad reveals how he blah 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 killer dad had a girlfriend here's her selfies you know um it's just it's a lot it's a lot going on <laughs> i'm a human daily mail article and right it's now. constant it's Listen, like throughout the day i wish that i could train or somehow program the the apple news alerts that come to the iPhone because I get like Fox News and Huffington Post and shit that I never look at. Well, I think you can. I think you can go in there and turn off certain ones and I should probably rather than complaining actually just go do that. Um, also like tell them, hey, I don't need 50 a day. You know, you could slow it down a bit. I don't need to get every single news article that's written that day sent to my phone. Well, what would killer dad do if you didn't know? Probably just languish in prison like he's going to do anyway. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't need to know all the horrific things that are going on. What did Johnny Depp do? What did Johnny Depp do? Um, Some domestic violence. Oh, that's right. He's a he's one of those, huh? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. See, I'm trying to curb my ease with which I call people like pieces of shit. I appreciate that. Yeah, you know? Yeah. yeah. Looking out for the, for the kids. Yeah, that's great. Looking out for the kids. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, speaking of looking out for the kids, we want to move ahead with some listener communication. All you kiddies out there. Let's start with kind of a, it's an informational voicemail slash promotion of the bonus episode we did. Hey, friends. It's uh, your boy, Team Ian. Um, just wanted to uh, thank all your listeners who started following me after my latest appearance on uh, your special episode, uh, available at all fine podcast places everywhere, I think. You should all listen to it. Uh, but I also want to apologize to all of them because uh, I'm currently in Twitter jail and unable to tweet um, because I made fun of someone too much and he got hurt and... Uh, I got suspended, and now I'm there finally because I deleted my tweets, uh, but I'm not allowed to like, I can't even like things. It's, um, well, uh, basically, I agree with Laura Loomer. This is, uh, this is more than a hate crime, but less than genocide, somewhere in that middle ground. Uh, free Laura Loomer, free Team Ian, uh. Yeah, oh, I'm alt-right now also. Oh. Uh, yep, that's it. Talk to you guys soon. Cheers. Bye. I was really... Uh... It's a very casual announcement. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm alt-right now. Yep. So, well, that's also... That's pretty wide territory. Somewhere between a hate crime and genocide, mm -hmm. which is kind of the... Uh, it's the joke is that's kind of what Laura Loomer says. Like, she, she's, her human rights are being violated by not being able to have a Twitter account. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Which is just fucking hilarious. Yes. Anyway, we had a bonus episode with Ian. Mm -hmm. And it was a little bit more, I got some feedback on Twitter and in direct messages about people really liked it. That it was a little bit more freewheeling, mm -hmm. a little bit more casual conversation. Mm -hmm. We kind of just let it go where it went. Yeah. 
rather than have like a hard structured interview like we did with, let's say, Mersa Baradaran, mm-hmm. the author of the, the Black Banks book. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't think anything that we do is super structured, but okay. No, but I mean, that's, the, you know, it came across as more, I, I think they're all conversational. Yeah, I guess you're right. You know what? Fuck you, people. Anybody yeah. who messaged me, fuck you guys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do I need to say kidding? No, I think we get it. You're good. Well, you get it. Yeah. Oftentimes, people don't get it. The laughing gives it away. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So I should start laughing after serious things. Yes. My advice to Ian would be to get a hold of Devin Nunes because apparently he's got a lawsuit going right now against the the Twitter, against Jack, because of this systematic um, Twitter disenfranchisement of conservatives. And now that uh, Ian is a self-proclaimed alt-right guy, mm-hmm. he could, uh, you know, get, get, maybe get named in that lawsuit. Get free assistance. Yeah. It yeah. sounds like a good idea. Yeah. Anyway, thanks, Ian. We appreciate it very much. Let's move on to a couple of voicemails we didn't get to last time. Hola, persons. John from Pennsylvania here. I uh, heard Tom Cotton's comments on uh, uh, the the uh, farmers out there are going to get knocked with the uh, current trade war with China and whatnot. And uh, found them rather interesting that he said that the farmers, uh, that uh, you know, our troops are farmers are uh, sacrificing. And uh, Tom Cotton responded, "Well, our troops sacrifice every day as well." And I'd like to point out to Mr. Cotton that there's some fundamental difference between our farmers in the Midwest and our troops. Is that our troops? Well, one, they volunteered. Don't recall our farmers volunteering to fight a trade war. Uh, also, our troops are getting paid. Uh, not only that, they're getting paid extra. Um, Jesse might know this. Uh, everybody, Jesse's Marine. And, uh, and also, due to the fact that they're serving overseas, fighting for our country, they get to participate in socialized medicine. So, uh, called the VA. So, um, little bit of a difference between our farmers, who run the chance of, you know, not being able to keep their farm from going under, and our troops who are fighting overseas. Um, juice and squeeze, I guess. Anyway, so that's all I got on that one. Everybody have a nice day. Toodles. Toodles indeed. So, of course, this is referencing the fact that the U.S. increased tariffs from 10% to 25% on $200 billion worth of Chinese goods, which has escalated the uh, trade war going on with the uh, largest economies in the world. Yeah, right. And like John said, the Arkansas Senator Tom Cotton was on with CBS this morning And he said, referring to the trade war, quote, there will be some sacrifices on the part of Americans. I grant you that. But I also would say that sacrifice is pretty minimal compared to the sacrifices that our soldiers make overseas (laughs) that are fallen heroes that are laid to rest in Arlington make. Uh, Mm -hmm. When did Tommy Lahren get elected to the fucking Senate? So he's like, guys, calm down. You're not going to be dead. You know, it's a weird, <laughs> it's such a, just a bizarre, just jump from one thing to the other. It, it is, uh, well, one, it's a guilt trip, but two, he's not, I mean, he's very rapidly approaching John Cornyn level stupid, but 
I think he's an Ivy League educated dude, hmm. Tom Cotton. I think he's a smart person, intellectually. But that argument is not the argument of a smart person. That argument is fucking moronic. Yeah, well, he went on to say that um, most farmers, quote, understand China is a serious competitor to the United States and wants to displace us around the world. When you look at the sacrifices that soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines make around the world, they're willing to bear some of those sacrifices in the short term to hopefully, in the long term, ensure our long-term prosperity and security. Uh, so anybody who has a complaint about anything, hey, 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 what about the troops? Well, what about Marines overseas? Yeah, I know gas prices are high, but what about the troops? What? You have to pay exorbitant health care rates? <laughs> troops! It's just stupid. Well, he also went on to say, and I, I think this is another terrible point, that um, the farmers and ranchers in Arkansas knew what they were getting into. Um, <laughs> he said, quote, they, from the very beginning, knew that overseas markets were vital to their prosperity. <laughs> it, it is amazing to me to watch all of these free market Republicans completely turn their backs on that ideology, which, by the way, the vast majority of economists buy into that the free market is going to is going to take care of things relative to trade free trade you know and uh they're they're just going along with trump which is jackassery well so i wonder how quickly the effects will be felt in these communities and what the result will be of any negative repercussions to farmers and ranchers. Will it cause them to reevaluate their position and maybe not vote for Donald Trump again? Well, it, it, it really depends upon what kind of an aid package gets pushed through to alleviate the pressure, financial pressure on them. Because the government right now, Donald Trump wants to provide billions of dollars in farmer welfare mm -hmm. to mitigate the losses that they're that they're experiencing right now uh, because of his tariffs, because of this unnecessary trade war. It's fine if you want to renegotiate trade deals. Fucking do that. But doing it this way hurts people. It hurts industry. It hurts the U.S. economy on a wide scale. Well, it's also great that that version of welfare is accepted. Yeah, that's right. Um, that that version of welfare is appropriate because it makes political sense for Donald Trump. But other versions of welfare, other versions of public assistance to help people that are on yeah. hard times, he looks down upon that and wants to make it more difficult for people to get, like with the work requirements and things like that. Let, let's also Let's also point out that farmers aren't poor people. Farmers today in America, by and large, are wealthy individuals who own large tracts of land who have major operations. We're not talking about mom and pop hoeing the ground with a, with a, with a tool. We're, we're talking about major, major industry here. So Tom Cotton, I mean, he should have been asshole today, but didn't think of it. It came up front with a voicemail. So thanks, mm -hmm. John. We appreciate it very much. Let's move on. Again, moving to a topic we haven't really talked about yet too much. And that is all of the abortion insanity happening across the uh, happening across the country right now. Hi, Jesse and Brittany. This is Jen from Long Beach calling in. Um, I was listening to episode five twelve, I believe, and I, for the first time, I guess, in ever, 
in a really long time. I completely and 100% agree with Jesse. Uh, these people are just irredeemable. Irredeemable. These abortion laws that they have allowed to pass in Alabama and Georgia and Missouri now is just on a level of just pure and complete utter hatred of women and their anatomy, their bodies, their minds, their anything that is not white and male, and cis and able-bodied. They just absolutely hate it. And we still have women who are voting along with them, saying the dumbest of things when it comes to abortion. Just keep your legs closed. Like, that's supposed to stop rape. There was a pastor who raped his 14-year-old daughter and got a lenient sentence because of his faith. Another rapist got to have joint custody of the child that he forced upon another woman. Doctors are put in jail longer, for longer sentences than men who have forced themselves on women. And no one is seeing a problem with this on the Republican GOP side. Dude, honestly, and I mean this, I mean this, I have a lot of friends, I, funny enough, still, who did vote for Trump the first time around, and I gave them leniency because, I mean, for Republicans having to pick between Hillary and Trump, it wasn't an easy choice, but they will go with their party, so I slightly get it, I don't get it, but I kind of slightly get it, but this second time around, the moment I find out you voted for Trump a second time, oh, you're completely and utterly dead to me. There is no talking about it, let's be civil, no, none of that. You are dead. You are dead. And, like, the tweet, the tweet that I just read, Daenerys, if she can just bring that dragon and burn Alabama and Georgia and Missouri to the ground, shit, maybe that'll teach people. Like, that's, that's how angry I am right now. That shit is going on. I, I cannot believe this. I just, I mean, I knew it was coming, but fuck. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? The amount of women who are going to die now of some back alley abortions because white men who don't even know where the clit is decide that they can tell me what to do with my body. Oh, my Lord, I, oh, my God. Anyway, yeah, just my thoughts. Bye. So this is a very emotional topic for a lot of people. As well it should be. And um, just to kind of get people up to speed with what's happening in case they haven't been reading the news um, or receiving 30 to 50 um, updates on their iPhone every day. Yeah. Um. Five states in the past three months have enacted laws that severely restrict abortion, uh, access to abortion, and in some cases as early as six weeks. Yeah, they, they're what they deem a heartbeat at six weeks. Yeah, which isn't, you know, a heartbeat. 
um, because <laughs> there's no like circulatory system. Um, so that heart isn't really like pumping blood through a body. Yeah, there's you know not a I mean? baby in there. It, it looks, uh, when you look at it, the like the photos or the depictions of what it is at the time development, uh, as far as the development is concerned, it looks like a, like a tadpole mm-hmm. kind of, but it's the size of a pea. Yeah. It- of a of a pea, like you eat a pea off your plate. That's how big it is. It's like the beginning of chambers forming that are kind of fluttering together and they call that a heartbeat. Um, I think they do that to manipulate people into assuming or believing that it is more developed than it actually is. Yeah, well, a lot of these these people, I think they truly believe it's a baby in there. Like it's just a a little tiny baby. And it's, it's not... A baby. Well, and they also call it um, a fetal heartbeat. And that's not quite accurate either. When you're talking this early, um, it would be like an embryo heartbeat, right? Um, But again, you can't use these terms or they don't want to because they want to make it as scary as possible for people, right? Um, But anyway, Georgia, Ohio, Mississippi, Kentucky, and now Alabama. Except Alabama... I think you're getting there. Right. Has the most strict of all where they don't even make an allowance for rape or incest. Yeah, It's not a six week deal. It's no fucking abortions. And there's also a 99 year prison sentence for doctors. That's right. Who perform the procedure. Uh, let me. Can I real quickly take just a little bit of umbrage with Jen's language she used at the beginning? And I'm sure it was just the language she used. But I want to make sure we're not we're not by by nature of programming letting some of these assholes off the hook cuz she said the, the the legislation they've allowed to pass in Georgia and Alabama and Missouri the, the, they haven't allowed it to pass they have been a driving force behind stripping away women's health care rights in these states right and this has been happening slowly right for yeah. the past several years but now it's happening really fast. And the difference is that uh, the Supreme Court is what it is. You have a Kavanaugh right? Supreme Court now. So, again, if you ever needed a reminder that elections have consequences, this would be the time for you to receive that reminder. Yeah. Um, they have their eyes on Roe versus Wade, uh, the 1973 Supreme Court decision, and that gave the constitutional right to an abortion until the fetus reaches viability. That's right. Which is usually around 24 weeks of pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And they want that overturned. Now, one positive thing that people should remember is that most Americans don't support outright abortion bans. Right. That's just not something that the majority of Americans support. Um, A Gallup poll from July 2018 found that 64% of Americans want Roe versus Wade to remain in place. And in August of 2018, ABC News and Washington Post conducted a poll. And two-thirds of Americans said they either want the Supreme Court to make it easier to get an abortion, 21%, or to leave the ability to get an abortion the same as it is now. 45 percent yeah so that's vast majority yeah um most americans do not support this stuff that's going on also keep in mind in this uh, you know i'm trying to give some some um consolation here for everybody who's who's justifiably upset by this jen included and that is that the the alabama law is not in effect yet and likely will never go into effect because it's going to be challenged 
in the court. There's not a judge, a reputable federal court judge that is going to allow this to continue um, without uh, putting an injunction in place and stopping it until the appeals process is done. So if that gives anybody anybody any any bit of uh, of of consolation again that you know it's not in place and, and it likely won't go into place. Now there is a real fear that this this case is going to make it to this one of many cases that's going to be challenged in each individual state that it's going to end up before the Supreme Court and then we have a real f- problem on our hands with a a non traditional politicized Supreme Court and I say led by Kavanaugh only because he will be he is the mark that sets this Supreme Court over the edge to a conservative Supreme Court where before it was a lot more balanced. I mean when you have John Roberts being the set the ideological center of the Supreme Court, that's a real weird situation. A dangerous situation where it relates to Roe versus Wade. So it's going to be a while before we get there. And hopefully the Democrats pull their heads out of their asses and start playing for fucking keeps. This is the moment. Right now is the moment that Democrats need to decide. Are they going to allow a nine, nine, a nine person Supreme court, a nine seat Supreme court strip away abortion rights for women after a 45 year precedent? Or are they going to make the Supreme Court now 13 or 15 members? Because that is the right. The constitutional role that the Congress plays is to organize the courts. And they have every right to do that. We can't keep fucking around the way Nancy Pelosi's doing this. Well, we can't impeach. It's not going to be strategic. Hundreds of millions of women across the country are owed better than this strategy bullshit argument. Well, I was reading an article from 538, and I actually think, um, according to them, um, I was persuaded by this argument, that a political backlash would make it difficult for the Supreme Court to respond. Like, it wouldn't look good if this continues to grow and become more partisan. Um, And there's actually other abortion cases that are in the pipeline, and the justices are apparently reluctant to hear them. And so if this becomes like a campaign issue for the election 2020, where people are talking about yeah. the conservative justices and what's going to happen with abortion, and, and it becomes very political, overtly pr- political, that it actually would not be good for the Supreme Court to hear cases on this. And Chief Justice John Roberts is one who ostensibly has a deep respect and reverence for the the body itself, the respectability of the Supreme Court and the institution that he represents. So mm-hmm. hopefully they don't just let, you know, Brett Boofer Kavanaugh do his thing and 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 be a tyrant here. Well, also according to experts, it, it's not likely that the Supreme Court will just overturn Roe versus Wade. Like that is not likely. What is more likely is that they will gradually attack the right to abortion, um, allowing the states to impose additional restrictions and that that would be kind of a less controversial, um, more acceptable way to go about doing it. 
I, I hear that, and that that is correct. That if Roe versus Wade is under overturned, underturned. If it's overturned, it's not that abortion nationwide would be illegal. It would then go to the states for them to decide individually for their 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 populace. Now that's no big deal if you live in New York. If you live in California, if you live in Oregon, or you live in Washington, but if you live in Alabama or Mississippi or Georgia, South Carolina, Florida, these states, Missouri, these states, are, it would be a, 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 an insane detriment to their female population, the, the citizens, the residents of, of their states who find themselves in a situation where they need this as an option, whether it be through rape or incest or whatever. It's it's not just, and you know, I mean, I'm preaching here to the choir. It's just, Democrats need to start playing fucking ball here. But and the other thing is, and I know that this has already been said, but um, I, I hope that people aren't even giving conservatives the benefit of the doubt here or the leeway yes. um, to act like their position is legitimate. Because I don't actually want to hear from any of these people until they are advocating for an abortion ban and also having birth control out in a lollipop jar on the uh, pharmacy countertop yes. at every CVS and Rite Aid that is in the country. Um, and also plan B and also um, leading sex ed classes for kids starting in elementary school. Um, all of the things that have been proven to be effective in reducing teen pregnancy um, and thus abortion. They're not in favor of those things. That's right. Right. They don't want to be passing out birth control like candy. They don't want kids to understand how life works. Right. So that they can protect themselves so that they know what to do so they don't get pregnant. Right. Um, they want to keep information away from everybody. Yeah, yeah. Keep access away from everybody for those things that can prevent abortion. And then you also have... You know, they care so much about the unborn, but then once the kid is born, they don't want it to have steak or lobster or soda right, with the right. food stamps, with the food right? Stamps. They, they want it to live like a terrible life. You know, I keep referring to it because that's basically well, we don't what know. they view we, it we as. We don't know what it is, but also it's like Meghan McCain. Oh, it's, I believe abortion is, is murder. Oh, it's murder. Yeah, they believe it's murder so bad that they just casually write that in a comment or say it on TV, you know. Um, if you really believed that millions of babies were being murdered in this country, you're telling me that the most you're going to do is sit on the view and say that? Right. Well, listen, if you know that there's a building in your neighborhood where the systematic murder of babies is taking place, are you going to hold a sign outside the building? Hey, Stop murdering those babies. This is something I really believe. Or are you going to fucking storm the place? You can't tell me that you really believe that they're murdering babies if you're holding a picket sign. You know who I believe, Brittany? The people who fucking bomb abortion clinics. I believe they believe that. They're wrong as fuck. But I believe that they believe it. I don't believe Megan McCain. I mean, maybe that's a little... uh a little extreme, a little radical, but I would defy someone to argue it. You know, these wacky terrorists who 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 are or are committing acts of terror relative to abortion. I mean, they're few and far between anymore. 
But I believe those people. I don't believe, you know, the family out there with their fucking picket signs. Anyway, we'd love to know what you think. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email those voice memos from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash idoubtitwithdollamore. David. David. And Scott. Scott. Very nice. We appreciate both of you, gentlemen. Thank you very much for your loyal support of the program, helping us keep the lights on, helping us move the conversation forward episode by episode. Another way you can support the show is by rating and reviewing on the old Apple Podcasts app. If you have an iPhone, that would be the best way. Do not curse, because iTunes apparently is run by Mormons, and they do not like the curse words. You know, give us a little, uh, little appropriate rating, whatever you think would be, uh, would be honest and earnest. Write a little blurb in there if you choose. That would be awesome. We'd appreciate it, and uh, we love you guys. All right, moving on. Dollamocracy, facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. All right. Well, the other thing that is a a marked departure from normal workings of our government, other than the rash of abortion bans across the, the country, is the fact that it is being reported now that Donald Trump is floating the idea of pardoning, using his presidential pardon power to pardon accused and convicted war criminals. Did a video about this the other day. There's a case of a Navy SEAL. Navy Chief Gallagher, Eddie Gallagher, I think his case is the most egregious. He is facing right now charges, uh, over a dozen charges, including premeditated murder, obstruction of justice, witness tampering, all kinds of shit, conduct unbecoming. And the things that he's accused of by his own platoon of Navy SEALs is outrageous. He, um, just to kind of give some of that information he uh stabbed a teenage captive um they were they had captured him they were treating him the team and then he came up and stabbed him to death and i think people may not know like why that's a problem so do you want to explain why that's a problem well for one it's 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 against geneva convention if you take someone prisoner Mm -hmm. a prisoner of war in the due course of battle whether they surrender or whether you capture them you you owe them medical treatment. You owe them um, civility. You can't torture them. You can't beat them. You can't harm them. And uh, it seems from this description that he was being treated for a leg wound. Mm-hmm. He was fine mm-hmm. when he was stabbed multiple times and killed. Right. So it, it's it's not not just about the rules of war fighting, which sounds antithetical to it, that there's rules involved, but there, mm-hmm. there are. There's all kinds of rules. Right. People are parachuting down from the sky. You can't shoot them out of the sky unless they're shooting at you. Mm-hmm. There are certain things that just, uh, just don't jive. Yeah. Now, the other reason that you don't want to do this and act like this is because 
what do we expect of our enemies if we're letting people off the hook for doing egregious things? How are we to expect Iran to treat our troops when they capture them mm -hmm. if we're doing this kind of shit? Yeah. How do we expect ISIS, which is really no longer, how do we expect them to treat our troops if they capture them if we're doing this kind of thing to their fighters? Yeah, I just think it was important for you to explain that because, um, and I'm not saying people in our audience would react this way, but there are some people that read this and think, uh, well, good, he he killed an ISIS fighter. What's the problem? It wasn't in the course of, of battle is, is the problem. Right, and so people just don't really get what is actually supposed to happen in these cases and that there are actually rules sanctioning behavior and he violated this rule. Yeah, he also, not even, I mean, this is the most, I think, horrific thing that he did. Well, maybe not even. This, well, is, the, he, this is the most, like, hands-on violent thing, like, close up to a person, like, face-to-face. -face. He also, in his role as a sniper, did some crazy shit. Yeah, he shot a teenage girl in a flower hijab while she was walking with her school friends. Yeah. And um, her friends, like, dragged her body uh, away. And he shot an old man who like had a white wispy beard. And um, these are descriptions from his fellow Navy SEALs right. who went to the authorities, right. who went to the their, their commanders. He was wearing a white robe and he shot him. And then they saw the blood, you know, yeah. appearing through his white robe as he fell. And I mean, just indiscriminately shooting civilians. Yeah. You know, um, not cool. Not enemy combatants, not armed combatants. These are young school-aged girls and old men who are not armed, who like are not a threat. Like he's in a video game. That's exactly right. But I think that's an important thing that you highlighted as well, which is it It was his fellow soldiers yeah. that turned him in. Like, hey, this guy is doing some bad shit and we need him out of here. Right. And they actually got pushback. Yeah, they, well, it, they did for sure. From the lieutenant who apparently went through buds, who went through... Uh, Navy SEAL training under this chief, and he idolized the guy, apparently, is what I'm getting from the reports that I've read. But you listen, you don't have to take it from me. Mr. hasn't been in the Marine Corps for years and years and years, wasn't a, 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 in a command presence where I had many troops underneath me. Listen to retired Lieutenant General Mark Hurtling talking about not just what I've just talked about, but also why this is bad for the military relative to good order and discipline, relative to unit cohesion, relative to having troops who are following the rules and have a motivation to do so. I want to bring in now uh, retired Lieutenant General Mark Hurtling, who served 37 years in the Army. He is now a CNN military analyst. And you have a new opinion piece up on CNN.com. And in that piece, General, you say that these pardons would be, in your view, not only immoral, but also dangerous. Why? Extremely, uh, Erica. And what I'm saying is because this is more than just the execution of a criminal act. We're talking about the violation of the laws of land warfare, the disobedience of legal orders, the ignoring of ethical and professional standards that are upheld by the military, and it would create unbelievable uh, discontent within the ranks. Uh, this is uh, something where you have to be concerned regarding uh, good order and discipline, mm -hmm. 
And unlike in many cases where you're applying a pardon to a criminal act from the chief executive of the United States, the president, in this case, the president is also the commander-in-chief of the armed forces. So he is, in fact, undercutting the rules and regulations that contribute to good order and discipline in the military. And that, to me, is anathema, and it's immoral because uh, these acts are not the acts of patriots. Uh, We train soldiers and military personnel before they go to war. In fact, from the very first day they enter basic training, they're trained on these kinds of rules that contribute to good order and discipline. But they're also trained to ensure that the dignified and unified and trustworthy units don't turn into mobs and uh, using gang violence. As soon as you do that as a commander of forces, and I, I had to relieve some commanders in combat because I thought they were going over the edge in some of these areas. If you lose control of your forces, you no longer are a military force, you're just a mob. You mentioned if the president were to follow through this, you, you think you'd be undercutting the rules and regulations. Um, is he also undercutting the moral authority of the American military? Absolutely. And he is the moral authority as the commander in chief. So he is certainly undercutting that. Uh, and, and there would be a huge, you know, I, I can't state this uh, more emphatically. There would be an unbelievable blowback from the vast majority of veterans. And I'm sure of that based on some feedback I've seen mm. from the ranks and from senior soldiers. That is an awesome point that I failed to mention. And that is the fact that Donald Trump's not just, un- un- unfortunately, that he's in the position to not just be, this isn't just some executive stroke of a pen uh, pardoning some dipshit who wrote a good book about Donald Trump. This isn't just about a pardon for Joe Arpaio. This is the commander in chief of the United States Armed Forces pardoning a service member for having done something fucking egregious. That's a, there's a big distinction there. The other thing is, one thing we failed to mention about this is the, the lieutenant that I was just mentioning, his, his, his superior, Eddie Gallagher's direct superior, is also up on charges right now because after he murdered this 15-year, allegedly, allegedly, after he allegedly murdered with a knife this 15-year-old ISIS fighter, they held a reenlistment ceremony for him with the corpse. With the corpse, they had a reenlistment, a sacred thing where you reenlist in the military and you give the oath of, of, of service next to the corpse that he just murdered, next to the war crime, the evidence of the war crime that was just committed. It's, it's just disrespectful. I mean, it's, it's really sick. Yeah, I, I mean, yes, of course, it's sick and, and disgu- it's desecration. It's you do not want people that have whatever they have going on yeah. to be in positions of power. Like full stop. <laughs> I mean, this is psychopathic behavior. These people have some serious problems. Well, he he like he mailed away for this hunting knife that he used and in text messages that they have mm-hmm. the prosecution because of discovery got all these text messages. He said, I'm going to shove it through the skull of someone. I mean, he, he is he's unhinged this guy. Yeah, there's a lot of criticism um, from the left about patriotism and honor and things like that. Right. But there is a certain 
element in the military, I would say that it's probably the majority of uh, people in the military that really pride themselves on the honor that I, is associated with the ritual and I agree. Um, everything that you learn and how you're supposed to carry yourself and uh, all of that stuff, right? Um, and for someone like Donald Trump, who never served... And I didn't serve either, right? So I'm I'm kind of talking out of my ass too. Um, but for someone who never served like Donald Trump, I think he looks at these guys, right? These accused and convicted war criminals and yeah. thinks, no, these are the tough guys. Yeah, sure. That's right? right. That's right. These are the physically capable. These are the dominant. These are the guys that I wish I could be. Right. When he talks about beating people's asses at his campaign rallies, like this is who he envisions that he could be. Right. Um, And so he's like, what what could I do? I could pardon them in honor of Memorial Day. Well, I think think Donald Trump in his mind also thinks that it's going to resonate with America. Exactly. He's protecting the troops. Right. And it's going to resonate with other kind of false strongmen like him. Yeah. So he believes in, in in his Donald Trump brain, that's what he imagines being a great soldier, a great warrior is. Yes. Just like this guy. Donald Trump, baby! Has in his mind that Donald Trump was what a real successful rich guy is like. When he looks at his gilded weird apartment, he thinks, oh, that's what a life. That's the way to live right there. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's really tragic, um, especially the way that you just um, said that. Um <laughs> It's really tragic because you wish that he would, li- and he doesn't listen to anybody. That's right. He's so got he it all figured out. Right. He can't be changed by these opinions from people who actually served, from people who held positions of power, who actually did things right, did things the way you're supposed to do them, were honorable. That guy is a three-star general that you just heard from. Mm-hmm. A three-fucking-star general, and he's saying, no go, no good. Right. Military leaders across the board right now are coming out saying, uh-uh. Don't do this. Big mistake. Right. But Donald Trump will write that off as politically motivated, a bunch of liberals, fake news. That's right. Right. Well, I'm seeing that all over the place that it's, oh, liberals are just complaining. No, 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 no. It was his own platoon of Navy SEALs. Right. It wasn't like the guys in the chow hall Mm -hmm. who were complaining. Mm Mm-hmm. It was yeah. his peers complained. Right. And the military took so much credit of it. They said, oh, yeah, this is fucking no good. They brought him up on charges. Mm-hmm. So if they're filled with bleeding heart liberals and his platoon is a bunch of liberal pussy seals, then come on. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we'd love to know what you think. Again, 657-464-7609. <laughs> I would really like to hear from some um, some veterans. Absolutely. On this. Absolutely. Because if I'm, if I'm off base, mm-hmm. I'm not off base, by the way. But if I'm <laughs> off base, I want to I be set straight. I mean, what kind of a unit were you in? What, would, would this kind of thing flown at all? Yeah, yeah. Um, th- I mean, this kind of thing, just anything I witnessed in the military is... No, it's non-existent compared to this type of thing going on. Yeah. I cannot. When you were telling me about this a couple, like a week ago, a week and a half ago, mm-hmm. I was like, I can't, I cannot imagine yeah. something like that being allowed to happen. I can't imagine going to a superior and saying, hey, this shit's happening. This is no good. Mm-hmm. And having them say, well, it's better you be quiet. Right. That's anathema to me. Right. So let's let's move on. And let's we'll bring it down a little bit. The next two stories are a little bit on the lighter side. I mean, they're 
serious because everything's serious in the Trump administration. But um, Anderson Cooper, our favorite Anderson Cooper, took Trump to task relative to his relationship, his ongoing cozy relationship with Fox News. Time now for the ridiculous. And tonight, the world's biggest, most elegant cable news fan has gotten his foxy loxy tail in a twist. That's right, President Trump, a man who thinks journalism is an hour-long phone call where Sean Hannity spoon-feeds him topics like pre-chewed cream of wheat, is on a tirade against his most favored network. Their offense? Fox's actual news division, not their morning zoo crew or primetime propaganda pack, invited a Democrat to appear on its air and it wasn't like some weekend at Bernie situation. It was an actual living Democrat with an actual pulse. The president tweeted yesterday in part, quote, hard to believe the Fox News is wasting airtime on Mayor Pete, as Chris Wallace likes to call him. Does that sound like a jealous 15-year-old boy to you, Snapchatting his bestie late at night, unsure of exactly what he's feeling and why he feels the way he does? Oh, my God, it's hard to believe Jenny would be wasting time on Pete, or Peter, as Chris likes to call him. Oh, the betrayal. When the network you love and rely on for advice and support suddenly gives a platform to someone else, and they give them a standing ovation, someone who's young, an actual Rhodes Scholar, somebody who went to, went to war, was a veteran. Ugh. The president, how could they? The president continued his mean boy texting, probably to his best friend, Corey. Gee, he never speaks well of me. I like Mike Wallace better. And Alfred E. Newman, he'll never be president. <laughs> That's what I imagine him saying, giggling after he writes Alfred E. Newman. First of all, Mike Wallace, the late, great 60 Minutes legend, who was a friend of mine, passed away in 2012 and is therefore unavailable for interviews. I think his, his response would be, come on. That was one of Mike Wallace's favorite responses when someone said something absurd. Chris Wallace is a very fine journalist in his own right. Also, the Alfred E. Newman bit that President Trump keeps doing, trying to compare uh, uh, Pete Buttigieg to a fictional Mad Magazine cartoon character from 1956 with a gap tooth only underscores that the president's stockpile of fossilized nickname nuggets seems to be running as low as his credit line with anyone other than Deutsche Bank. Soon, he's going to be making references to, like, Doris Day, who just passed away, or, or, I don't know, Beetle Bailey. By the way, here's how blind President Trump's devotion is to Fox News. He thought it would be a good idea to appear on a Fox weekend show airing last night opposite the Game of Thrones finale. And no, it actually wasn't the president's Islamophobe-in-arms Judge Jeanine Pirro, but don't worry— she was still on air this weekend doing her best impression of that Amtrak seatmate you just cannot get away from. <laughs> Grab your popcorn, junior mints, or whatever makes you happy. The real show is about to begin. This will be true reality TV. No scripts, no rehearsals, just a gang of criminals pointing fingers at each other to save their own hides. A version of true crime and the reality show Survivor. Wow. Who wrote that? Biting. <laughs> Talk about a way to turn me off junior mints. Anyway, Judge Janine thinks real life is like Survivor, which is interesting because her show is sort of like Law and Order when a suspect represents herself at trial and then punches the bailiff in the throat. It's hard to imagine the president would actually boycott Fox News, though. I'm mean, surely he'll be back on the phone with Hannity sometime soon. Like one of those over overnight, you know, late night talk radio callers riffing about Area 51. If there's anything that calms an angry President Trump, it's being fed like a bird by Fox News primetime on The Ridiculous. <laughs> So this is something that is interesting to me because we're so we're starting to see no we we have been seeing yeah, yeah, for better. a long time 
um, that that this is just the same. It's more of the same is continuing. Um, but I think, hopefully, possibly, that people are viewing his campaign this time a bit differently because there's actual like proof of things not changing. Remember when he said he could act presidential? Yeah, right. That never happened. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, how- no, now they just say, well, it is presidential because he's the president. <laughs> yeah. Well, how he continues to be childish, oh, how yeah. he continues to run his mouth. And uh, <laughs> did you see that clip where the press was asking him in the white out in front of the White House? Uh, Mr. President, are we going to go to war with Iran? And this is literally what he said. Hope not. Uh, I hope not. <laughs> You know, um, and so we've always known what I'm saying is we've always known who Donald Trump is, what Donald Trump is, because it's painfully obvious. Yes. But I think some people tried to think, well, he could be different. We don't know. I want to try something different. Let's give him a chance. Right. Well, we've had all this time and he's been very consistent. He's still who he is. He's still what he is. Are people going to then change course this time? Listen, I think it's very weird that the lock her up, lock them up thing is still happening. Are they so fucking blind? Because where are the chants on the Democrat side of locked them up? We locked them up. Right. (laughs) Manafort, jail. Mm-hmm. Rick Gates, jail. George Papadopoulos, jail. Michael Flynn, jail. A lot of jail time happening within the first cabinet and uh, higher level aides of Donald Trump. No jail time in the previous administration. No indictments during the previous administration. Mm-hmm. But that's still playing. It's still a refrain you hear at these rallies. The locker up bullshit. Mm-hmm. It's fucking insane. Yeah, it's very confusing, uh, very disturbing. I wish it wasn't happening. <laughs> so the other disturbing thing, and it really this isn't this is kind of a two for one, beautiful but also a little bit depressing. <laughs> beautiful, a little bit beautiful and a lot depressing. How about that? Okay, Katie Porter. She's the. Con- I love Katie Porter. Right, Katie Porter is the congresswoman for the district that's right next door to us. Yes. The 48th district butts up against the 45th district. Mm -hmm. And she is a congresswoman there. She beat a woman named uh, Mimi Walters, Mm -hmm. who is obviously not there anymore because Katie Porter is there. She's a former law professor at uh, University of California, Irvine. Yep. She is a goddamn boss. Absolutely. She is the one we played the other day where she she had at uh, Jamie Dimon, Mm -hmm. the CEO of Chase. Mm Mm-hmm. And she did the same thing today with Ben Carson. Oh, Ben Carson. Who seriously, seriously needs a nap. That guy. <laughs> I was going to say he stayed awake throughout the whole hearing. The whole hearing. He didn't yeah. need a nap time. He Well, he needed one. Mm. He just didn't, didn't get it. Oh, I see. So anyway, she starts asking him about something that's very in-depth. To me, it seems in-depth, but I'm not the secretary of uh, housing and urban development. I'm a dumbass with a microphone. I don't need to have that kind of knowledge. Right. <laughs> so anyway, I'm going to play this. We may start and stop. I don't know how it's going to go. But this is like a four-minute exchange. It's most of her time. And I just want to prepare you for what to, to pay attention to. It's not like it's going to be subtle. But pay attention to how 
little he knows and how he's trying to answer questions in a way that makes it maybe seem like he knows, but it's just obvious that he has no fucking idea what she's talking about. He's the secretary of the housing and urban development. He should know all of these topics that she's talking about in depth. He should be the resident expert. It's his job. And he's fucking lost. So much so that when she talks about a certain thing called REOs, real estate uh, owned, certain type of property and foreclosures, he thinks she's talking about Oreos, the goddamn cookie. Listen to this. Enjoy and also be sad. The gentlewoman from California, Ms. Porter, is recognized for five minutes. Good afternoon, Mr. Carson. Um, are you in favor or opposed to adjusting the interest curtailment penalty schedule for FHA loans that are in default? Uh, I don't know that I can say broadly. Uh, I, I think you can. Well, I'm asking you to state specifically. I, I, I think you've got to look at specific cases. In some cases, I might be in favor of it, in some cases, I might not. Okay, the, do you know what the interest rate curtailment schedule is at FHA and how it's different from the GSEs? Uh, well, we, we tend to try to maintain a lower uh, interest rate FHA. I'm not asking you about the interest say- rate, sir. I'm asking you about debenture interest curtailment penalties. Explain. <laughs> so, all right, so FHA uses different servicing and conveyance procedures than the GSEs do. And the result of this is that the cost of servicing, mortgage servicing at FHA for a non-performing mortgage is three times the cost of doing the equivalent servicing at the GSEs for a non-performing loan. That tripling of cost in servicing, which then has the effect of reducing the credit availability to the American people, because when you drive up servicing costs, then servicers overlay with cost overlays and it makes the loans more expensive for the very homeowners that FHA is designed to serve. So my question I'm trying to drive at here is okay. why is FHA, to, to use a term that I think we can both understand, lousy at servicing mortgages? Okay, uh, I have not had any discussions about that particular issue, but I will look it up. Okay. Find out what's going on. So as you look it up, I'd also- So that's that's a fucking problem. No, I just love the confidence of men because uh, <laughs> I just can't imagine. Um, like, I just, I'm picturing. I love your face right now. No, I'm just picturing <laughs> a woman being at a job, right? And like her boss is explaining something to her that she's supposed to know. And she just looks at him and she says, explain. <laughs> Uh, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Fill me in yeah. on that, which I already should know. Uh, go ahead and give me additional details on that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> he just says, explain. Explain that. After a prolonged silence yeah. of him scrambling through his dumb brain trying to figure it out. And I mean, you almost heard it, but I think under her breath, she was like, Jesus Christ. Okay. So what <laughs> no, you have is. she. There was an exasperated. Yeah, like, there was a like there, you, it was visible. Yeah, that I shouldn't have to do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I shouldn't have to be explaining this. So what is getting ready to happen is the Oreo thing, which you're going to see all over the place. In fact, I'm doing a video about it tomorrow. That'll post uh, in the morning, like six a.m. or something, uh, West Coast time, everybody. And uh, so the Oreo thing happens, but then I let it go because at the end of it, 
He's trying to convince her, look, I just don't like to get in the weeds. If I wanted to get in the weeds, I could really never get anything done because of being in the weeds. This isn't in the weeds, dumbass. This is your fucking job. You know, it's like you have a mechanic work on your thing. You're like, hey, well, listen, did you do the timing belt right? Because of, I don't know anything about cars, but, you know, the timing belt because of the deal and the thing. It's like, ah, look, man, I don't, if I could have gotten the weeds about everything, I, I'd never get any cars fixed. <laughs> That's your job, dickhole. Mm-hmm. That's your job. <laughs> also like you to get back to me, if you don't mind, to explain the disparity in REO rates. Do you know what an REO is? An Oreo? R? No, not an Oreo. An R-E-O. R-E-O. Real estate? What's the O stand for? E-organization. Owned. Real estate owned. That's what happens when a property goes to foreclosure. We call it an R-E-O. And FHA loans have much higher REOs. That is, they go to foreclosure rather than to loss mitigation or to non-foreclosure alternatives like short sales than comparable loans at the GSEs. So I'd like to know why we're having more foreclosures that end in people losing their homes with stains to their credit and disruption to their communities and their neighborhoods at FHA than we are at the GSEs. Now, I'm going to pause it there. Does he go on to talk about the carrot cake Oreo and the birthday cake Oreo, (laughs) the different flavors of the types of Oreos? No, but while you mentioned it, I did have a carrot cake Oreo the other day. You did. That's fucking pumpkin spice Oreo. That's what that is. That is some fucking bullshit. Anyway, let's get back to this, though. Do you notice that she goes into, like, teacher mode to him? And he's like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I'm, yeah. Learning, I'm learning something. Thank you for this. That's not her job. She represents the 45th District of California. Mm-hmm. People in Irvine, people in Orange, people in Tustin. Mm-hmm. She doesn't fucking... Her job is not to, to teach the Secretary of Housing and Urban Development what his job is. Yeah. It's not what she's supposed to be doing. I would, I, I, I would be extremely happy if you'd like to have you uh, work with the people uh, who do that. Well, Mr. Carson, that, respectfully, that was my day job before I came to Congress. So now it's my job to ask you well, to I'm work with the people. I'm talking about the people at HUD who do that. I, I I've spent a decade working with the people with at HUD on this problem. So what I would like you to do is to take this back to FHA and to ask the folks at FHA because since 2007, I have been writing about the problems in FHA's servicing. I am a huge fan of FHA. I am a believer in their mission, and I am a champion for them. Are you? Uh, of course I believe in the mission of FHA. Are you a champion for the institution, the organization? Uh, very much so. Okay, so let me make sure you understand. When a loan, that the most common outcome for an FHA loan that goes into default is REO. There's a conveyance process. Are you familiar with this? I I know about the conveyance. All right, so let me ask you about conveyance. What actions is HUD taking to change the conveyance process at FHA to address the loss recovery differential between FHA loans and GSE loans? Well, again, uh, you're getting uh, way down in the weeds here. And yeah, because it's real American people are out of their houses. So they are literally in the weeds when they are foreclosed on. Uh, understood. And I'm very happy to put you in contact with the people who deal with that. If, if I got down in the weeds on every issue, I wouldn't get very far. Mm. <laughs> passing the buck. Wow. Perfect. But, but to no one. He's not really even passing it to anybody. He's just like, well, you know, the weeds is tired. I'll look into that. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, pyramids were built to store grain. <laughs> this should be really reassuring to a lot of people. Um, so that was a dual asshole of today taking care of biz. Yeah. We'll let you decide which which honor goes to whom. <laughs> isn't it isn't it shocking the kinds of people that can be in the most powerful positions in society? Yeah, I, it, it, I, I've been giving this some thought today, and I think, I mean, in the video tomorrow, I talk about there's two kinds of people who are cabinet secretaries. There's the kind who are who are trying to tear it down in a sinister fashion intentionally, and then those who are too stupid to do so, but they're doing it because of their stupidity. He would be the latter, but it makes me want, you know, Donald Trump doesn't give a fuck about HUD. Otherwise, he would have somebody else in there who was... You know, like this is this is an embarrassment, but he cares so little about the agenda of HUD that he's just letting it fucking be run by this ding dong. Did you see how he tried to save himself, by the way, with the tweet showing him that he bought a family size pack of double yep. Oreos for Katie Porter and uh, wrote her a note uh, thanking her. Yeah, I'm sure he's filled with thanks about what transpired during that. Well, I think it's trying to make light of because it's like if you poke fun of me, I'm uh, I'm uh, taking away any power from people making fun of me. Well, I've already made fun of myself, so <laughs> you can't talk about it anymore. This was a fucking insane embarrassment. What we witnessed, what yeah. you just heard was maybe the worst performance of any cabinet secretary cabinet secretary sitting before congress mm -hmm. and katie porter look we didn't play the music or the play-in but um she's taking care of biz that, that is uh that is remarkable for a freshman congresswoman she's my hero to be fucking killing it like this my hero we know people we know someone who who was very um negative about her candidacy Mm -hmm. who criticized her voice and her body and said she'll never be elected. She is heads and shoulders more capable and qualified and performing mm -hmm. than anybody she ran against. It's awesome. Yeah. She has a, a very bright future ahead of her outside of Congress. Not like she wasn't doing kick-ass shit before, but I mean, like, she's going to rise to the ranks. She's going to have leadership roles. You might even see her run for a federal office someday. I would love it. A federal office like president, not mm -hmm. Congress. If it's what you say it is, I love it. <laughs> I think I'll just shut the fuck up now. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we love you guys. We want to hear from you. 657-464-7609. Email voice memos from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Hey, everybody. If you've never called in, if you've never uh, sent us a, a voice memo, we would love to hear from you. We want a, a, a diverse pool of opinions to draw from to help us move the conversation forward we'd also love your support on patreon if you are in a financial situation position to do so go to teamdollamore.com and you can pledge two bucks or you know a cup of coffee a month something like that would be fantastic helping us grow what we're doing here helping us expand the audience and uh, do new exciting and different things we love you we appreciate you we will see you next time. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt It. Uh, free Laura Loomer, free TV.